This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to the Ball on Blast podcast. And you know what? You know what, Webby? It's been a long season. And at the start of the year, we said, can't wait for the playoffs to come. But it seems so far away. But now we are just hours, hours away from what we've been waiting for this whole year. The playoffs. Are you hype, Webby? Are you hype? Yeah. You know what's so funny is like we knew that the regular season was going to be great. But last year, it seemed like the playoffs after a crazy regular season were a little bit of a letdown. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel the same way this year. I think that the playoffs is... Uh, way more wide open than it's been in the last couple of years in the NBA. Yeah, you know what? I think to the regular season, there were a lot of surprises for me in the regular season, right? Like we expected a a blow up year from Giannis and things didn't go that well. We expected the Sixers to make a a, a push. We didn't expect it to go that well. well. (laughs) Right? Like the Raptors obviously had a way better season than anybody would have predicted. So many things went on, right? Like the LeBron season on a whole is just crazy. So much stuff during the regular season. And you would think let's not even let's not even forget Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double for the second straight season. And nobody talking about it. People talking about him chasing rebounds. Like, what? Are we really arguing about him chasing rebounds? Like, what? This is stupid. We'll, we'll get and to even, Russ for sure, but like right. uh, such a crazy, crazy story. I totally agree with you, but such a good season. There's so many injuries, but yet so many storylines. And so heading into the first round matchups in the playoffs will be absolutely no different. I was so hyped, I forgot to introduce ourselves. As uh-huh. always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined with my boy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, man? Well, not too much, man. It looks like the uh, Phillies have finally uh, kind of circled the wagons a little bit, man. They got the got the kids. Oh, wait, this is a basketball podcast. Sorry about that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and first off, how are you going to talk about the Phillies when the Red Hot Mets are just doing work right now? Wow. We, come on. Who would have thought? Yo, come you on know what now. it just means? It means that the Mets are going to build this up, build this up. So the, uh, uh, you know. The collapse that we both know is coming is going to be even better. Hey, hey, hey. Leave my Mets alone, Webby. We're just going to enjoy the ride while it continues on the backs of Adrian Gonzalez. Because that'll last, The Mets right? wave. The Mets wave. <laughs> uh, but yes, you are correct, Webby. This is a basketball podcast, and it's the best time of the year because it is the playoffs. In the Eastern Conference playoffs, the one-seed Toronto Raptors versus the eight-seed Washington Wizards. And we will start, like we've been starting for, you know, a couple weeks here with the Toronto Raptors in our Wrap It Up segment. And this might be the only, like, actual segment that you might be familiar with if you listen to this podcast, because the rest of it, we're just going to go through the rest of the playoff series. But we start with the Toronto Raptors. And they will be facing off after a lot of tanking that went on on the final day of the regular season. but Yeah, not so much on the Raptors' part, though. No, the Raptors put out their full roster. What do you think of that play, call by Casey to play everybody, especially even once it went to overtime? Interesting. Could have, and it may have bite, bitten him in the ass a bit with uh, the news that Fred Van Vliet is dealing with a bum shoulder. But my only thing is, is that I, I, I don't know why 60 was such a big deal. I don't know. What do you think they were chasing sixty, and that was the reason why everyone was in? Well, why else would you play those guys 
you know, more like 38, 39 minutes. Yeah, it was a weird thing, especially when you pay attention to what else was going on across the league. Like, you know, I think Giannis only played like 20 minutes. Mind you, they were probably trying to fall down in the standings. LeBron didn't right. really play much, although he might have also been trying to fall down in the standings or stay where they're at. You know, it seemed like a lot of teams were resting or, you know, kind of on chill mode, whereas Casey had Kyle and DeMar out there in overtime in a meaningless game against the Miami Heat. So, I don't know. Hopefully everyone's still healthy. We know Fred Van Fleet left banged up. CJ Miles also banged up. But heading into this series against Washington, what do you think here, Webby? You know, this matchup, we've seen this before a couple years ago, obviously. The Raptors got swept by... Uh, Very different situations now than when they uh, when they were playing a couple of years ago. You're totally right. And that's the thing that everyone will jump to, right? Just that old series, what, three years ago now when the Raptors were swept by the Washington Wizards. And just because the names at the top are the same, Kyle and DeMar, John Wall, Bradley Beal, just because those names are the same, people think that these are the same teams. But really, they're a lot different, right? Absolutely. I mean, not only that, but like the kind of style of both teams. Uh, coach, the, uh, coach turnover, too, in Washington since the last time that the Raptors played them uh, and, and got swept. Scotty Brooks now in charge in uh, Washington, right? And, you know, Scott Brooks obviously is used to a lot of playoff series and dealing with the OKC Thunder, but now he has a, a different, you know, I guess he's dealing with another interesting minded point guard i was trying to choose my words wisely there yeah yeah to describe what's going on with john wall and bradley beal and they've had a really weird season a disappointing season right this is supposed to be a team that's battling for top spots in the eastern conference and they finished now to be to be fair they were without wall for a long time Mm -hmm. and and the other thing is is that i think this wall beal relationship that they have is a little different than Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. I think that those are two, uh, whereas KD and Russ were kind of two different personalities that mesh together. It seems like Beal and Wall are just, I don't know, too hard-headed. Yeah, they they don't mesh as well. The other thing between these two teams, it's like a total mismatch of styles, Mm -hmm. where on one hand you have the team with uh, you know, honestly, if you look at it from the, the performance of the regular season, probably the most complete team from one to twelve. Yeah. And then you have another team that, you know, has one of the worst benches in the NBA. Yeah. It, it it'll be a really interesting matchup. And the Toronto Raptors bench obviously got a lot of talk heading into well heading into the playoffs for sure after the regular season that they've had. But uh, and you, there's a stat that came out from ESPN that says there's been at least one sweep in the first round of the NBA playoffs in every year since 2004. This year, BPI gives the Raptors the best chance to pull off a first-round sweep. They have a 20% chance to get past the Wizards in, five, in four games. So take that stat for whatever it's worth, right? Because just a stat. Right. Just a stat. But what do you think is a key matchup in this series, Webby, as you look at the rosters and sort of the starting lineups of both teams. Honestly, I think it's going to be like Ubre and Sadoransky against Ooh. Siakam and Pirtle. Ooh, a little bench, you know, like, bench dive. Okay. I, I really do. I think that the, the the only hope Washington has is if they get a lights-out performance from anyone in their second unit on a game-to-game basis. That's interesting. Because if, because if not, I think that the starters kind of wash out. And, hmm. and you know what? Like – 
because I believe in DeMar and Kyle, I think that you might have a little bit of a um, of an advantage for Toronto. Not much between those DeMar and Kyle and Brad and John Wall. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that they're not that far apart. A lot of Raptors fans would probably disagree with me on that. That's but okay. I, I do I do give the advantage to the the Raptors front court. You know what? I, or or sorry, back court. Yeah, the back court matchup to me is is a key, and I'm gonna like focus in a little on Wall versus Kyle Lowry, just because they're both entering into these playoffs like in very weird situations, but they're both very different. John Wall. Obviously, he's getting much maligned because the team did so much better, or at least they looked so much better when he was injured, and now he's come right. back, and he might still be working through an injury, but you know, sometimes fans, media alike, aren't going to really be that fair and give him that much time to get back in up to speed, right? And so when they've, they've struggled since he's come back, and so now heading into the playoffs, this is really big for John Wall, and he's going up against Kyle Lowry, who... We know if you follow the Raptors, Kyle Lowry has had some very disappointing playoff runs. So to me, that's a matchup that I'm kind of looking at to see, you know, it, will that be the key to the series? Who's going to get the upper hand in, in that one? But I, you might be right, Webby, in the sense that this might be a chalk series for the Raptors in the sense that the starters might wash it out, but the bench... As much as they've been the thing for the Raptors for the whole season, we might see the exact same thing in this series as well. I think that's where they lucked out because the one thing that you didn't want to have happen, especially in the first round for this uh, Raptors team, is to go against a team that uh, can match up well against your strength. And what they got was a complete opposite. Yeah. They got their strength against the team that they're facing's weakness. Yeah. So if if they're able to exploit that, it's going to be a short series. Uh, who do you got in the series? Like, what do you think the the series will go to? I'd say Raptors in five. Yeah, I, I put Raptors in six, just because I think the Raptors. You know, I guess I'm I'm leaving that extra game for that mass panic that normally happens if the Raptors slip <laughs> right. up in game one again, which can't right. happen, right? They can't lose game one again, right? No. Well, here's the thing. I think you're going to get one John Wall hop on the scorer's table. <laughs> you know, they're going to yeah. get they're going to get one of those like Bradley Beal, Beal hits the the prayer at home game winner. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think it's going to be pretty much domination for the Raptors. For sure. And and another storyline that we've been we've been repeating week after week, for me, this is a no excuses playoffs for Kyle Lowry, right? Everything is on the Raptors' side here. It's a revenge series. It's got to be in their minds that they got swept, and this is kind of time for payback on the NBA's biggest stage. Everything's on their side. A brand-new offense. Kyle and DeMar have more help. They've had the best season in franchise history. The Wiz are sputtering heading into the playoffs. So to me, there's absolutely no excuse for the Toronto Raptors to not take care of business. And I'm saying Raptors in six, but wouldn't be surprised if it was five. But with that said, we're here to, to, to like calm down the Raptors fan base, Webby. But if you had to sort of gauge what the fans are feeling, you know, just kind of in like informal conversations you might be having with your boys at work or whatever, boys yeah. and girls, we don't discriminate here, of course. Shout out to the female fans. But absolutely, should Raptors fans be worried? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, how, how would you say Raptors fans are feeling right now? With the Wizards? Yeah, just on a worry of, you know, how they played, how the Raptors played down the stretch, maybe the memories of the Raptors losing to the Wizards a couple years ago. How would you say the the nerves of Raptors fans are? I would say a two. 
Ooh, okay. I, I really would. I, I just don't see, you know, Washington has a good team, but, I mean, I don't see them putting up much of a fight yeah. against what the Raptors can put on the court uh, at all times of the game. Yeah, I think the biggest key for the Raptors is to keep playing with pace. You know, their bench, they're the second youngest team in the playoffs by average age. And a lot of that is their bench, obviously, right? And that strength is you got a lot of young guys. They got to come out and run and play with pace. Because I think the only chance that the Wizards have is if they slow the game down, play it possession by possession, kind of grind it out and try to like bully the Raptors, which I don't even think will work. Because I feel like the Raptors even have well, the advantage inside the, with Surge well, and I was going to say, the other great thing is that the Wizards have one of the worst half-court point guards in the league. For sure. So if they're going to try and slow it down against the Raptors, that's I think that's great for Toronto. Yeah. And because I, then you know your defense isn't working as hard. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if that's like game plan as much as it is you know, just John Wall doing what John Wall does. Do you know what I mean? Like more so the biggest beef that they've been having within their team. And was it Gortat? Yeah. Gortat's yeah, yeah. been very vocal this year talking about how when John Wall's in the lineup, they don't really play with ball movement, right? It's more ISO ball and it's more a lot right, of people just standing right. around and watching, whereas they need to play with ball movement. Kind of like, hey, the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, one last thing, you know, a little thing we'll go through in each series, too, is a little X factor or people ready for prime time. And I'm going to ask you, Webby, a lot of focus on the Raptors benches here. You think they're ready for this? You think they're ready for prime time in these playoffs? I, I definitely think they're ready for this test in the first round. And like I said, like they couldn't have gotten a better draw, I think, in terms of an eighth seed to play to the strength of theirs. So this is going to be, I think, a great coming out party. Uh, for uh, for a bench, you know, uh, especially uh, you you want to talk about ready for prime time. I think they get the what is it the eight? No, I, the Sixers are the eight o'clock. They're the five thirty on ESPN. Yeah, five thirty ESPN on Saturday. On a Sunday, on a Saturday. Yeah, Saturday game yeah. Raptors. Yeah, five thirty. That's on pretty Saturday. good, man. Like that's a really good chance for you to introduce yourself to uh, maybe some more some of the more uh, casual NBA fans that are tuning into your team for the first time. For sure. I've said all along, too, that I don't know how the bench is going to work as a unit because I don't know how much that's going to be a thing come playoff time. But I do know that we will see a lot of Freddie Van Fleet. That's kind of like my X factor here in this series because he will be the guy that leads that bench mob in whatever form it is. And I think that you'll see a lot of him down the stretch as well for the Raptors. And they'll be playing a lot of three-guard lineups where you'll see Kyle, Damar, and Freddie in the backcourt, you know, and I, I think Fred Van Fleet will be really key for the Raptors, not only in the, in the entire playoffs, but this series for sure. Because I think, you know, this is a series where against Bradley Beal and uh, John Wall, you can play Lowry and Freddie in the backcourt and you're not really, you're not hurt defensively at the other end. Right. Mine is, uh, mine is OG. OG. I mean, uh, rookie in your starting lineup there, uh, his first taste of NBA playoff basketball, and he gets a pretty uh, tough uh, matchup mm-hmm. uh, with Otto Porter, right? Oh, yeah. And, and those are two kind of junkyard dogs, and I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what OG can do on the big stage uh, in, in the playoffs. So uh, he's the definitely the guy that I'm going to be watching for. 
Totally true. Totally true. Big, big matchup for the Toronto Raptors. Can't wait to see it. And again, no excuses for the Raptors and or Kyle Lowry in this first round series. They should make quick work of uh, just a, a Washington team that, again, is sputtering into the playoffs. But we'll see and can't wait. Things get kicked off on Saturday. But we both think the Raptors will win easily. So let's move on to the next series. The two seed Boston Celtics versus the seven seed Milwaukee Bucks. This one's a weird one because you have the two seed Boston Celtics going against the seven seed Milwaukee Bucks, and it's weird. To I kind of like I kind of like this this series. I I like it too, and I, I, the the first thing though, the first place I want to start with is the fact that the last night of the NBA season was so weird because it felt like certain teams were jockeying for position, like the Bucks didn't really care, even though six, seven, and eight seeds weren't sorted out yet. In the Eastern Conference, right. you saw the Bucks didn't really play anyone, right? Like Giannis, I think, only played like 20 minutes. You saw yeah. the Wizards. But they did have everybody back for the first time in a while. For sure. I think their whole starting five was intact mm -hmm. for the first time in a couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. But you saw the Bucks kind of chill. You saw LeBron yeah. and the Cavs kind of chill. The Wizards, I think John Wall Sixers didn't even didn't play. Chill. The Sixers had no chill. Well, they just have no chill because they're just on fuego right now, right? Oof. But... We saw the Milwaukee Bucks, due to Miami beating the Raptors in overtime, the Bucks lost to the Sixers. You see the Bucks move down to face the Celtics in the first round. And, you know, I'm going to start with who you got here because this is a super interesting matchup. And my first question is, the Bucks, I would assume, kind of wanted this matchup or else they might have tried a little harder against the Sixers and played Giannis more minutes. But my question is, do they really want that Brad Stevens smoke, Webby? Oh, well, okay. So the reason that I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to this series is not because I think it's going to be pretty basketball or anything. No. I think this is going to be like an old school, early 90s, late 80s. I think there's going to be some big, hard fouls <laughs> in this series. And I think there's by the end of it, these two teams, there's going to be a rivalry. I don't think these two teams are going to like each other very much. I mean, you saw what happened with the Raptors and the Bucks last year in the playoffs. Mm -hmm and that seven-game series and how chippy it was. And, I mean, when you have one player like that, like the Bucks do, I mean, you could argue that Jabari's been playing pretty well since he's come back and Bledsoe's a piece. But, I mean, they're built around Giannis. Mm -hmm. So they've got to do everything they can to protect him and make him thrive. And I think that they're going to try some intimidation tactics on a, on a shorthanded Celtics team. But that's the thing. On the other side, you have a seized team that's kind of built with some tough dudes and just really well coached. It's so true. It's such a weird thing because you're seeing two different sides of what happens in the NBA, right? Like you have a team with the Celtics that, you know, is overachieving because you look at their roster and you think, okay, well, Terry Rozier, they're getting a lot from Rozier. They're getting a lot more from Marcus Morris. You know, they have a, and you have two rookies that they'll be counting on so much, obviously, and Jalen Brown and, uh, Tatum. Still got Horford there. Still got Horford. You still got the grown up, right? You still got the the the, the pop up the bear there, right? To take care of things. But for the most part, though, Webby, you have a team that's overachieving because they have a really good coach. And then on the flip side, you look at the Bucks roster, and you would, you got to say that team's underachieving because they have a bad coach, right? Like it's oh, such a yeah. weird, weird situation. And something that was thrown out earlier today, I, I was listening to. Uh, your boy Bill Simmons, and they were throwing out, and I found this kind of interesting. Do you play Giannis at center? 
play Giannis at yeah, the five I, and I see how that too. goes. That'd be super interesting, right? And it's kind of like the cheat code that, you know, the Bucks probably should have tried to pull out before, or maybe they've just been saving it for the playoffs. I don't know. But you but have the question is, is that coach smart enough or ballsy enough to make that make that play? Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's true. It's true. And I, is he going to have the, the cojones to try it? Because I think that does force Stevens into having to do some different things that might take him out of his comfort zone, you know? For sure. Because if, if Giannis is playing the five and you're rolling out with Jabari, Middleton, Bledsoe, and I don't know, they throw who? Jason Terry, I guess, as the other guard. Yeah, I guess they so, throw, yeah. I guess uh, Brandon Jennings off the scrap heap, whoever else they're playing. Because um, oh, yeah. what's his name? Brogdon's not back yet, right? I don't think Brogdon's back yet, is no. he? So the thing is, now you're looking at that lineup, and who does Al Horford guard, right? Like, is Al Horford out there guarding Giannis? I don't think Horford's going to be able to guard Giannis. Like, is that is that really a thing? So it's super no, interesting. But, and then, and that's the thing. It's like, and then Baines, like, does it, I, it does create some crazy, like, matchup problems for them. And that's honestly, like, when you're up against – well, I I think in the first couple of games they're going to play it kind of by ear how they've been doing it. But mm-hmm. if they find themselves down two nothing in the series, you're going to have to make some kind of adjustment. For sure. And Giannis the center, I, I I like the sound of it when I heard it. It's like you play Giannis at the five and you just run because you know the Celtics are trying to play slow and they're going to grind it out and try to keep the game in like the 80s or 90s. But if you're the Bucks, you have all these long athletic dudes. And a good point guard in Bledsoe. You should be trying to run and get buckets, right? And it's going to be such a clash in styles. And I just feel the way how Boston is so well coached, I feel like Brad Stevens will figure out a way to play it at their pace. But with that said, Webby, I'm still going with the Bucks in seven. I think this goes seven, and I'm going with the Bucks just because I think the talent overall over a seven-game series will win out. I'm going with the coaching, and I'm going Celtics in six. Ooh, okay. I like it. I like yeah. it. I, like I, I it. think that we talked about coming out parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've had Jason Tatum pretty much make his stamp on the uh, NBA landscape. I think Jalen Brown is going to have an unreal series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. you're totally right. It's going to be on them. They're going to have to be the ones that are leading this team so much right it's going to be it's going to have to be Jalen Brown and Tatum getting most of the buckets if you know in crunch time who are you going to to get a point it's going to be those guys doing it and it's going to be learning on the job in the playoffs it's 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 going to be a really great learning experience for those two young Celtics rookies right and something they can take forward in the next season when you get back Kyrie Irving and Hayward and Hayward it's almost unfair right it's like you're giving these guys the answers to a test a year (laughs) before they're going to take the test yes yes like even if they do lose to the Bucks they're going to take those lumps that you need all your young players to take in the postseason only they're not going to be these young guys who come off the bench and get a taste they're going to be put right into the fire oh yeah it's going to be so good and and you know what webby i'm going to be honest with you here part of the reason i'm taking the bucks going forward is because i really do want to see that matchup next round potentially between the bucks and philly I just think that'd be so much fun to watch that series. Uh, Bucks don't want that smoke, man. I'm not saying they, they don't do. want it. Well, I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying you're telling me you get a, a second round playoff series that would have 
Jojo, Ben Simmons, Giannis, Jabari, all running up and down the court. Like, sign me up for whatever, yeah. however many amount of games of that, as opposed to the Celtics, who you know, again, it's I, I appreciate what they do, but I'm not sure that's a, the style of basketball I want to watch for multiple playoff series. Listen, I, I understand, and it's just like as, as, as the playoffs keep going – I think that the Celtics will lose steam, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I think that their best bet is to like really overperform in this first round, and they may not be the fur- they may not be the better of the team with the athletes that the Bucks have, but man, they're going to come out ready to play, and Stevens is going to have those guys ready for sure. And I think you that's know, one thing you can be sure of. Yeah, to like to follow up on what you just said too, Webby. You know what? I think the Celtics were a great story. What they were able to accomplish this season was absolutely amazing it was so good such a great story but you know if they run out of gas and i don't have to watch them tr- score and win games in the 80s <laughs> watch terry Rozier hoist up some threes yeah like I- i'm okay with that i'm okay if i only have to see seven games of terry Rozier being taking the lead on a team in the playoffs i'm okay with that but still great accomplishment great season for the celtics and brad stevens um, Absolutely. Moving on to our next series, Webby. We split on that one. I say I say Bucks, you say Boston. But yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that we're going to agree on this next series. The three-seed Philadelphia 76ers versus the six-seed Miami Heat. Which is the three-seed Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Miami Heat. And some might question the Miami Heat. Why did you win on the last night of the season so that you would play the Philadelphia 76ers instead of playing the Boston Celtics? Hey, I don't know. Maybe it's that Pat Riley, Spo mantra of, hey, we go hard and we don't care who we play. We're not afraid of anybody. Cool. But I'm just going to start there and throw that out there. Did Miami, like, was that the right move? Playing everyone and just playing it like a normal game, knowing what was on the line? I think so. I think so. I, I... That strategic losing, mm-hmm. That's listen, it's definitely a way to plan on your team uh, getting into the playoffs on the right foot, who you want to play. But, man, I, I think that Spo had the right idea. Yeah. You've, you've been riding these guys now. Uh, they've played really well in the second half. You know you're going to be in the playoffs. You may as well finish strong. And uh, that's, I mean, I know that you're really confident about Philly in this series, but, man, the more I think about it, the tougher this might. I think of those lower seeds from five to eight, I think that Miami is the scariest one. It's super interesting. And in a, in a way, it's kind of like what we were just talking about with the Celtics and Bucks, right? Like you look at Philly and on paper, especially JoJo's healthy. We're anticipating, of course, he'll be in the lineup to start game one, right? And Wearing you, the MF Doom mask. For sure. And you look at that Philly lineup and you're thinking, okay, well, they have two superstars and solid to very good role players. And you look at Miami and they don't really have a superstar. So your your first inclination might be to be like, oh, Miami's got this easily. But when you really look at it, I think this might be a really tough series, right? Yeah, man. Miami has like an arsenal of like solid long defenders that they can throw out mm-hmm. uh, uh, that can take a run at Simmons that can take a run at JJ Redick. Like they're not going to be wanting in terms of defenders. Now, the only thing is, is that you're going to be able to, I think, find a mismatch when you have Goran Dragic on the floor. 
Yeah, and and that's going to be interesting to see that matchup. Like, who are they going to throw out at Ben Simmons? Because you're right, they do have a lot of options. Whether it's Justice Winslow, could be James Johnson, maybe even uh, uh, Richardson. even Richardson is a pretty good defender. Yeah, yeah. So it, they have a lot of different bodies they can throw at Ben Simmons. And I know I was going to ask you if you watched the Sixers Cavs game last Friday, but I know Ooh, obviously you did. Come on, <laughs> that was. That was like one of the most entertaining games I've ever watched. I, I went from like, this is the best thing I've seen. It's like an and one mixtape to, oh shit, it just got real. Well, do you know what? No gas. And obviously, people listening to this podcast know that Webby is a huge Philly fan. And I was just, as an observer, watching that game as a basketball fan with no rooting interest either way. That was maybe one of the best games of the season. Because. Ben Simmons was doing exactly what you just said, like skip to my Lou and one mixtape tour moves early as Philly got out to like a, what, a 30 point lead. And then LeBron just did LeBron things. I don't know. Those LeBron things of like, like he's been doing for the last year now, since that last game against the Warriors. What I keep saying is when he wants to get down in the paint and score, no one can stop him. It's so true, and I'm glad you brought up that point because that was the point I was going to make, right? Like, during that game, it was so interesting to watch Ben Simmons and LeBron, and this might sound weird on the surface, but Ben Simmons was kind of reminding me of LeBron in the sense that once those two guys get going downhill, you can't stop them. Like, once they get ahead of steam going and they're at from, you know, that space from even when they cross half court and they start going full speed towards the basket – I don't know many people that can stop either Ben Simmons or LeBron James because they are those triple threat kind of guys where they can either stop on a dime, make a shot, they can keep going and dunk on you, or they can find a wide open guy. And it's 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 unstoppable, right? And it was just yeah. an amazing sight to see on the basketball court. It was so good, such a good game. LeBron almost led the comeback, had the three free throws to tie it at the buzzer, and I knew he was going to miss one. I knew there was no yeah, way LeBron yeah. was going to make them all, right? It was such a good game. And, yeah, Ben Simmons, that's going to be if, – if I'm if I'm Spolster right now, and when does Philly play? Philly plays on Sunday, right? Sat, uh, Saturday, oh, Saturday, Saturday night. My bad, Saturday eight. night. If I'm Spo right now, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I slow down Ben Simmons? Because I think the white side versus Embiid battle, that'll be super interesting. That'll be a lot of fun as well. And, you know, you feel that between white side and Bam, they can, you know, try. You know, you have at least a good chance or a better chance than most other teams against JoJo. But the Ben Simmons thing, Ben Simmons is a problem. We know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about Embiid, though. Embiid going against JoJo. Or, sorry, Embiid going against or, JoJo. Embiid against going against Whiteside, White yes. What do you think of that matchup, Webby? A healthy well, it's an all-time, JoJo. It's an, all-time twi- it's an all-time Twitter matchup, right? <laughs> it's, an all-time, uh, it's an all-time feed-me matchup between those two. Like, it's great, and, and, and that's what uh, Embiid has been so good at with other big men uh, this year in the regular season is getting them into foul trouble. Mm-hmm. And... I'll tell you, man. I, I can see a lot of problems happening there with with, with Whiteside, and I think we're going to see a lot of Bam out of bio. Yeah, and Bam's been really good. So uh, you know that th- throwing those two different guys at Embiid is going to make him work. But I'm really excited to see Embiid in the playoffs because, uh, like I've been anticipating, when the playoffs get uh, really gritty and you need that um, that that play clock eating uh, last second shot make it go in. That's what Embiid has been doing all year. 
Yeah, I can't wait for this series. And you're right. Just as great as the Embiid-Whiteside matchup will be on the court, off the court, and in t- on Twitter, it's going to be so much fun as well. These two going yeah, at playoff it. Embiid, playoff Embiid with the Twitter fingers is going to be ridiculous. It's going it, to be ridiculous. It's going to be so good. I can't wait for this series. And the Philly crowd will be so lit, too. Oh. That'll be a fun thing to watch on television as well, just to be able to hear how hyped they'll be. And my question for you, are, are we at a point now, Webby, where we're actually expecting something out of Fultz, like in the playoffs? Like there are expectations I, for him now? I'm not trying to put any expectations on Markel Fultz in the playoffs. All I know is that he's been progressively getting better and better with every game. Okay, okay. Fair enough. I've been really impressed with him. And you know what? If that is kind of – if. If you want to call that your X factor, mm-hmm. that would be my X factor for this series. If you can get significant uh, contributions from Markel Fultz in a seven-game series, I think that the Sixers could win this pretty easily. I mean, I, it's I, a big F. I it's definitely a big F. will not disagree with you there, though, man. And it'll be fun to watch. That Philly team is hella exciting. What's the win streak at? What did they finish the regular season on? 16? Like, 15, so crazy. 16. Like, that is just... Yeah. I mean, that is a team that is red hot. What do you think of the whole uh, – because <laughs> we might not get to this later, but since we're talking yeah. about your Sixers, what did you think of the whole back and forth between your boy Donovan Mitchell, or I guess you're going to call him my boy Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> your boy, yeah. <laughs> and the hoodie in that he was rocking uh, <laughs> that said What's his that? definition of a rookie and saying that you know playing your – or playing a first year on a professional team or whatever. Like, what did you make of the whole hoodie gate with Donovan I, I, Mitchell I, and Ben Simmons? I, I definitely appreciate the pettiness. I really do. Yeah. I love it. But if you're going to do that, don't make the case for the guy that you're trying to talk shit on with your hoodie. Because, <laughs> like, by the definition that was on Donovan Mitchell's hoodie, it was like, okay, so Ben Simmons is the rookie of the year then. Yeah. Because it was like, the person who plays in his first season, it's like, oh, yeah, that that was Ben Simmons this year. And e- even if, it, like, listen, I don't even care. You want to get off on the technicality for your rookie of the year, Donovan Mitchell, good luck. But you didn't have a better season than Ben Simmons. I'm sorry. Well, that was Bomani Jones's point, right? And you and I know we're both fans of Bomani Jones. And it was funny because his point was, I don't know if you really want to be the guy that's out here trying to claim that you should be rookie of the year on a technicality. Like if that's your right. best argument for rookie of the year, that's kind of whack, right? That's <laughs> what I never understood about this. It's like at, at a point there in the regular season, you, you, the case could be made that Donovan Mitchell had a shot for rookie of the year. Yeah. But then, I mean, coming home, there's no chance. I mean, <laughs> the last three months that Ben Simmons has played, he's been – one of the top 15 players in the league. Yeah, I mean, it was a solid attempt at trolling, but I think it, it kind of went awry. And soon after it happened, there was, uh, oh man, I wish I could find it right now. I had it saved on my computer too. But it was uh, right when it happened, someone online, uh, and Webby, I honestly, no, no joke. It was maybe 20 minutes after the first shot was posted of Donovan Mitchell wearing that jersey. <laughs> There was yeah. already someone with the Photoshop, and they changed what his jersey said. Or, <laughs> yeah, sorry, what his, what his hoodie said. And I was like, how did someone on the internet do that so quickly? Because, again, I swear to you, it took like maybe 20 minutes. 
and I already saw it, and I was like, oh, I wasted enough time, so I did find it. Someone put, they changed the caption, and it said, runner-up on his hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) The competitor, player, or team finishing in second place, as in a race, contest, or tournament. (laughs) They superimposed that onto his hoodie instead, and I was like, man, slow clap for that one, because that was the internet working super, super quick. That's pretty solid. Yeah, that would be in our Feed Me segment if we were doing that this week. But, you know, it's an all-playoff edition, so we just got to keep the train moving, Webby. What do you think this series is going to, though? Putting you on the spot, Webby. Sixers in six. Sixers in six. I, Webby, will agree with you here, and I will also say the Sixers in six. I think this will be a hard-fought series, but Miami will run out of gas, and yeah. Going with the For, Sixers, I mean, we will agree on that. I mean, they should be able to do it in less, but listen, they never. It seems like they never make it easy. I almost said Sixers and seven, but well, they're also I think that they're also a young team too, right? And you know, we're we we can't just assume that they're just going to come out in the playoffs guns blazing and have no problems and run all the way, just run, roll through everyone all the way to the conference finals, right? Like you'd expect some level of of growing pains, right? We're going to give some credit to even Spolstra to scheme out a win or two, right? So, well, and that's okay. I, listen, I I apologize for putting my X factor as Markel Fultz. My real X factor is South Beach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the kids, come on. You can, it, it's so funny. I wonder how much of a role, like we talked about what happened with the Cavs in Toronto during the playoffs, right? So you know that there's Miami, obviously, is that tenfold, right? But I always wonder, you know, you're in the league, you're rich. You can go back to Miami in the offseason, no? Like, why would you, it's such a weird thing, but we know that it is a thing in the NBA, right? That, Teams sometimes get caught up on the road. And will that happen in the playoffs? Who knows? Maybe maybe the Sixers might catch that Miami flu for one game. <laughs> Players get caught up on the road. Yeah, just ask Tristan Thompson, right? Uh, speaking of Tristan Thompson. Ah, good. That's called a transition, folks, right there. The four-seed Cleveland Cavaliers versus the five-seed Indiana Pacers. Well played, Mr. Andrew Webster. That moves us to our 4-5 matchup. Yes, a LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers team is a four seed in the Eastern Conference, right where everyone predicted they would be, right? Uh, but they, yeah. will get, <laughs> they will get the Indiana Pacers. And I know, Webby, exactly what you're going to say here because it's the exact same thing that I was going to say in terms of what matchup are we looking forward to here oh. the most because it's one matchup and one matchup Born only. ready. Born ready. Your boy, Lance Stevenson against LeBron James. I can't what wait a, for what, what a finish Lance had to the season <laughs> as well. For those that didn't see that don't know what Webby's alluding to here, there was a play where your boy Dwight Howard is on a breakaway. But Lance comes out of nowhere to swat Dwight Howard's... What a block. Unbelievable. A, a crazy block by Lance. From behind, the ball goes off the glass. Now Lance is standing there and he's flexing in front of Dwight. <laughs> he's mean mugging the crowd. He's feeling himself. Meanwhile, the ball bounces right behind Lance and another player gets the ball and lays it in for two while Lance continues to flex on Dwight Howard. Might have been the most Lance Stevenson thing ever. The perfect epitome of Lance. Right? 
Like, isn't that the most Lance Stevenson thing ever? It was so good. Absolutely. What a great play. Now, and then he saved his best for after after the game, too. What was – oh, yes. What Explain what happened th- after the game. Right? Okay, so after the game, Lance, he's celebrating with fans, you know, throwing uh, little towels into the crowd. And he throws one over his head, and it lands right in the face of a security guard, you know, one of the police officers that they have protect. <laughs> you know, and so – and then Lance gives a look back to the camera – that is just oh, it's so perfect. The shit-eating grin on Lance Stevenson's face as he turned back and looked at the camera was so I'm so, so happy good. he's back in the playoffs. I'm so happy. Oh, man. It's so good. We just went through all four of the matchups in the Eastern Conference, and there's reason to be excited for all of them. And that's not a gas. That's no exaggeration. That's no boosting. I mean, every one of those series, there's something exciting that – I will sit down and fully be engaged and watching that series. This, I think this series has the chance to be the one that's the most hard fought mm-hmm. in the playoffs in the first round. Really? So you're, yeah. you're buying into the Pacers here in this season that they've had big time, big time. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, let's move away from Lance for a second. And the real reason why the Pacers are here is, you know, Oladipo had an outstanding season this year. And my question here is, is he ready for prime time? Cause there's a different level between doing it in the regular season and now doing it in the playoffs, but now doing it in the playoffs against LeBron, right? Like is, do you think Oladipo and company are, are ready for what's ahead of them in the first round here? I, I really do. And I think this is going to be one of those series where the home team Hold serve, and the reason that I think that the the only reason that I really think the Cavs are going to win this is because they're going to get Game Seven in Cleveland. So you think this is going seven? Okay. I think this is going to be like the year that remember the Celtics won in two thousand eight mm-hmm. on their way to the uh, NBA Finals when they won in they had to beat Atlanta in seven. Yes, they had to yes, beat yes. they had to go seven games. I do every round. That. Yeah, I do. Remember I that. think. I think that's the Cavs' path this this year. That's super interesting. That's super interesting. I mean, I'm I think this is Cavs in five, and you know, credit to Indy in for five. the season that they had. Credit to Indy. Follow me here. Credit to Indy for the season that they have. Right, right. I think they did a great job, but I just think that you know the difference in the playoffs and the Cleveland now, like. We, we've been seeing playoff LeBron now for more than half the year, but I think now the rest of the guys have kind of figured out how they fit in a little more. Are they where they want to be yet? Probably not, but they're getting there. And my thing is I just don't think Indiana has enough scoring to keep up with what the Cavs do. And if you're telling me that George Hill's healthy, you know, Rodney Hood's healthy, Kyle Korver's back – I don't know if if Indy has the firepower to keep up with the Cavs. They're going to try to play the game really slow and slow down the game and make it a half-court game and grind it out against LeBron and, you know, force the Cavs to really, like, buckle down and play defense. And I don't know if if the Cavs are going to want to get out and run. And I don't think Indy will be able to stop them. I just think the Cavs have too much firepower, too much offense, and, yeah. I would say the other way I, I think that if Indiana wants to get out and run against the Cavs, then the Cavs are in trouble. See, I think that's the old, the older Cavs, right? Like the Cavs team that they had earlier on in the season. But I think that this Cavs team now, with you know Clarkson, with Nance, with 
Rodney Hood. I think they're better equipped to run, right? And remember, we saw a lot of Jose Calderon down the stretch just because, you know, whether yeah. it was Rodney Hood or whether it was George Hill that were banged up and injured, we saw a lot of Jose Calderon. And I think that when you remove Calderon out of that space, George Hill will be able to play at a much faster pace, right? Rodney Hood will be able to play at a much faster pace. And what the Can Cavs are able up? to do, I think, Can will they be keep better. keep up with Oladipo, though? I think so. I, I definitely think so. I think George Hill is still a, a, a good defender. He's not the top-notch, you know, top-tier uh, lead defender that he was, let's say, a couple years ago. But I think he'll still be able to do enough to slow down. And, you know, I think guys get a little extra juice when they head back to a team that they used to play for as well. You know, so you might be getting a little extra juice from Paul George. Right. I just I think Indy had a great season, much like Boston. Indy had a great season, great story. But now the bright lights are on, and I, I don't think they got it come playoff time and come LeBron time. I think this is where we're really going to see the Cavs take things up a gear. And, yeah, Cavs in five. I, I don't All think right. Indy has a chance much to win this series. But I'm here for every game that we could possibly get for Lance and LeBron. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seven games of it. Oh, seven games of, like, what else can Lance do? We saw him, like, what was he doing <laughs> earlier this year? Was he pinching LeBron? Right, like <laughs> Some, uh, just trying to get his hands on him. I don't know the Lance antics. Oh man, can't wait. But yeah, so uh, as we head to the Western Conference yeah, now, gotta right? head west. In the Western Conference, the one seed Houston Rockets versus the eight seed Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's head west, and things are just as, if not more, interesting out west than they are in the Eastern Conference, because I still haven't really seen a bad series yet, or a series that I'm not really interested in. And let's start here with the Rockets and the T-Wolves. And this is a one-versus-eight matchup, and if not for Jimmy Butler's injury, Webby, the Rock the T-Wolves are probably, like, what, a four-seed in the Western Conference? Instead, yeah. they're eight, and this is a first-round matchup for the Houston Rockets. Not a good scenario to them for them, but what what did you make of this? Just that whole play in game. First off, let's start there. T Wolves uh, Nuggets last game of the season play in game. I was I was really actually rooting for the Nuggets. I would have liked to see because uh, I just think that the Nuggets would have matched up a little bit better with the Rockets and the T Wolves are going to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really the only way that you're going to try and beat the Rockets is by outscoring, like trying to keep up with their pace. I don't think trying to slow down those guys uh, in their backcourt, especially with the, what the Wolves are going to, T-Wolves are going to put out there to defend those two guys. I, I just think that the Nuggets might have had a little bit better shot, but I don't think either of them have much of a shot against the Rockets. Um, but the playing game was nuts. I mean, those it was kind of like who really wants this, eighth spot in the west yeah it was back and forth and it went to overtime and you know i feel like the it was funny watching the minnesota crowd because they were hype at certain points but i feel like late in the game like that crowd kind of got tight and they were nervous right they weren't they weren't as like the t-wolves seemed like the t-wolves team got tight too down the stretch it was almost like a microcosm of their whole season in terms of Jimmy Butler coming there, right? Like this is exactly why they got Jimmy Butler because down the stretch, it looked like nobody else wanted to shoot the ball. It was just all Jimmy all the time, taking every single shot, trying to create every single play, you know, and, and that might work 
again in a one game one off against <laughs> might working against the Nuggets, but it ain't gonna work against the Rockets. No, you, you we don't believe you. You need more people. You need more firepower here, right? And we've been breaking down what the big time matchups are in each series. And I think it's Cat versus Capella. I think Cat has to get busy, and Cat has to—he has to be the person that we think that he should be, right? And that's like their best player, no? Like we yeah. know that Jimmy and, Butler's there, but Cat is their best player, or at least should be their best player, no? See, for me, it's it's Tibbs against Paul and Harden. Ooh, okay. You know how do how. What can Tibbs throw at those two guys? Because when you look at, at the T-Wolves backcourt, man, you're looking at Derrick Rose, Tyus Jones, and Jeff Teague. <laughs> and it just seems to me like Harden and Paul are going to pick those guys apart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, unless Tibbs can, has something up his sleeve defensively, like I, I think you said that the Raptors were the team um, by the numbers that have the most – the, the highest odds of a sweep in the first round. Yeah. I think this is your sweep in the first round. Ooh, interesting. And you know what? I, I agree with you, too, because as much as they rely on Jimmy, he's there's no way that he's 100%, right? And exactly. So for him to have and to... And to ask Jimmy Butler win four games for you, the way that he's playing... Like, and listen, I love Jimmy Butler. I love his game, love his intensity, but, man, that is a tough ask for him. For sure, and to not be 100%, probably have to guard James Harden as well, right? Like, guard James Harden and carry the offense. Like, Cat has to be big, but I also think my X factor in this series is Wiggins, right? Like, this is where they need Andrew Wiggins to be Andrew Wiggins, right? Because you got Jimmy Butler, you got Taj Gibson, makes them a more grown-up team, a more mature team, and now they're finally in the playoffs. They barely just snuck into the playoffs, but they're there, right? And the reason why you got those guys were to help out the Young Bucks, help their development. But this is where, as much as we're talking about we're going to see a big playoff from Jalen Brown and and Tatum, we need to see the same thing from Wiggins here, right? Because Wiggins is going to be very key for them. If they have any chance, he's got to be aggressive. He's got to be a consistent scorer. He's got to be another option for for, uh, the T-Wolves so that it's not just Jimmy Butler, so that it's not like oh, we need a spark. Let's bring on Jamal Crawford off the bench. That's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask of a guy who's never done it really consistently in his career and then ask him to do that against the number one seed in the West. You're you're totally right, but hey, the lights are on, and and now it's time to show up. I mean, you you signed the big time contract, and now it's time to live up to those big time contracts, right? And so we we're rooting for him, right? Like we want to see – Andrew Wiggins as a Canadian kid, as a kid from the Toronto area, we want to see these live him up succeed. to the talent. Yeah, live up to and the live talent. up to the talent that we know that he has. Yeah, and see him succeed on on the NBA's biggest stage. This will be super key for him, and I will definitely be focusing in to see what kind of series Andrew Wiggins really has. Because I feel like you know. We didn't know how he would react with Jimmy Butler coming over. Like, would it help his game or kind of hinder his game? And he he. He kind of took a step back this year, no? Like I yeah, feel like he did. people it are. It almost not... seemed like it almost seemed like he saw Jimmy Butler come in and he said willingly, like, "Oh, great, I don't have to do a lot." Yeah, yeah, it's too much picking his spots, and I think he needs to be way more aggressive. But you said you think this is a sweep. You're taking Rockets oh. in four. Yeah, yeah. The uh, like the Rockets shoot all the threes, and the T Wolves shoot none of the threes. <laughs> I'm gonna say Rockets in six. 
And you think the T Wolves are going to win two games? Yeah, I think the T Wolves win two games just because I, I'm leaving a little bit of room for the Rockets to kind of be nervous. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's so much talk. Like D'Antoni came out and he said, "Hey, our season won't be judged by winning a championship or not." And to me, like that's a telltale sign of a coach that might see, you know. We know James Harden has had his struggles in the playoffs. We know Chris Paul has had his struggles in the playoffs. They haven't made the conference finals. We know Mike D'Antoni has had his struggles in the playoffs. And for a coach to come out and say that about a team that has led the NBA and wins again, right? a team that is far and away the best team in the league for this regular season, to come out and say your season won't be defined by a championship, to me says that you're trying to lessen you know, you're, you're trying to lessen the noise that's surrounding your team right now and trying to take some of the pressure off in terms of, hey, let's just focus in on what we're doing right now, take it one game at a time, and, you know, go at it that way. So right. as they work out the kinks, I could see them losing a game or two. I, I would lean more towards five games, but I'm going to say six because that's my initial thing that I wrote down, and I'm sticking to it, Webby. I'm going to stick to I'll, it. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that'll be cool is that first game in Minnesota. The first playoff game, playoff basketball game in Minnesota in like 13 years. Since KG, right? Like yeah, that, that, that. And Latrell and Sam Cassell. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to see fan bases like that, that, you know, it's been a long time coming, but you know that they're, it's, it, they, they really love their professional sports teams and they will support them like anything. You know what I mean? And it's cool to see those teams succeed, especially a small market team that might have trouble getting free agents. So they had some tough years in the draft and they they really did things if there is quote unquote the right way, you know, they drafted well and then they did well in free agency and made trades to like make their team relevant again. So it's it's cool to see them here, but it sucks that they have to go up against it sucks that Jimmy Butler got hurt, first off, and yeah. it sucks that they'll have to go up against the Rockets in the first round. But either way, again, another series that I'm all in on. The two-seed Golden State Warriors versus the seven-seed San Antonio Spurs. Uh, moving on to the Golden State Warriors, the two-seed against the seven-seed San Antonio Spurs. Webby, I'm going to tell you some stats here. Okay. <laughs> okay. You tell me if you are at all worried about the Golden State Warriors, okay? Let me save you. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried. I, these stats, no matter what these stats are, I, I'm not worried. And we, I think we finally figured out the name of their point guard without Steph Curry. I could still not know his name, and I still wouldn't be worried. <laughs> so follow me for a second here, okay? The Warriors' final 17 games, they played, what, 25, basically all but 25 minutes without Steph. They were okay. seven and ten. They were okay. minus sixty-two point differential, a okay. minus two point two net rating. Like, okay. does that make you worried at all? No, not at all. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm just still asking. Not the worried. I'm just here asking the questions. I'm the messenger here, Webby. I'm, I'm still not worried. <laughs> when you when you have the best three players in the series, hands down, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not worried. Uh, to answer your question, their starting point guard without Steph's name is Quinn Cook. He was oh, listed as go. my uh, my X factor, kind of as a joke, because I knew that we would. I knew that I just needed to know his name before we talked about this series. <laughs> so I just yeah. made him my X factor, so I'd have to be forced to look up his name and write it down. And it doesn't really matter if he's ready for prime time, because again, I think that right he now has Kevin Garnett on his team or Kevin Durant on his team. Yeah, 
exactly. Like, where's KD? Where's Clay? Pass it to those guys, right? I think that's an easy way to look at it if you're him. But also, I mean, the Spurs, much like the Celtics, right? Much like the Pacers. They're, they're, they're yeah, well coached, a complete team, working a system. But it's it's a sure. great story, right? Great story, great regular season that they had. But at the end of the day, you know, unless Kawhi Leonard uh, decides to put his grievances aside and the and the quad is good. I don't give the I don't give this maybe they'll win one again San Antonio is a great place to play for playoff basketball mm-hmm. and that crowd will definitely get that team hyped and pop is a good coach maybe the Spurs take one but this thing's over in in five four or five yeah you know me you know I ride with pop and you know I would love to give them a chance in this series but I'm saying Golden State in five you know I just think that without Kawhi it's it's too much and it it makes me feel bad because I wonder what this series would have been like. What would we be talking about right now if they did have Kawhi Leonard and they were facing well, they this be, Warriors team without Steph Curry? If they did have Kawhi Leonard, it wouldn't be a 2-7. I don't know. The West got pretty messed up. Who knows when he would have came back? I don't. It's, 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 you're, you're right. Yes, you're right in theory, Webby. But I'm, I'm just saying like wishful thinking. How much more hype would we be for this series? If Kawhi Leonard was involved, right? Like, you're just missing out on one of the top 10 NBA players. You know, that sucks. At the end of the day, that really sucks as an NBA fan, right? Absolutely. Also, too, I'm just not worried about the Golden State Warriors when I saw their side of the bracket. Because you're going to have to, the Warriors are going to play, obviously, the Spurs team without Kawhi. And then the other side of the bracket is Blazers Pelicans, which will be a tough matchup. It'll be a tough matchup. Man, you got to hope that, especially if the Blazers come out of that series, that it goes long. For sure. But you know what I mean? Like having to face that matchup instead of having to play either Utah, OKC. OKC, Do you know what I mean? Or the T-Wolves even? Like I think that they got the easier side of the bracket by far, right? If you're you're the Golden State Warriors. So that kind of made me not worry nearly as much about them as they go forward into the playoffs without Steph Curry. Uh, But speaking of that side of the bracket, Webby. The three-seed Portland Trail Blazers versus the six-seed New Orleans Pelicans. Good transition. We were both taking the Warriors in pretty easy four or five games. But let's move on to the three-seed Blazers against the six-seed Pelicans. And this series will... a good series in the West. This series is going to be awesome. This series will be a lot of fun. Right? So... I'll say this off top, okay? I think the Pelicans' best chance, like, AD has to, like, ball out of his mind. Like, he has to go those old-school, like, Shaq prime numbers, those KG numbers where I'm talking, like, 40 and 20s, right? Like, those are the type of numbers that AD has to put up if the Pelicans have a chance to win. But the other thing I'm super interested in seeing, playoff Rondo. I... I I'm so glad because that's I'm so excited for to watch Rondo in the playoffs again. Right, We're, we know about his Celtics resume, obviously, but we kind of forget. Remember that that run they had with the Bull, that Bulls team? Yeah, man. Yeah, and then he broke his thumb. Right, exactly. He got hurt, and then that was the end of that series. They're about to pull Dude, off that upset. He is low key one of my favorite all time NBA players. Like his game is so funky, and he is such a fierce competitive weird guy mm-hmm. that like why like hit Rondo in the playoffs is another beast 
and that like the pick and rolls that he's going to be running with uh, with with Davis. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I wouldn't want to be Yusuf Nurkic, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Do you know what it is, too, for me with Rondo? I think that he's a perfect example of what the playoffs are in terms of your point guard really controlling the tempo of the game, right? Yes. And playoff Rondo, he, he's slowing down the game. He's making sure he's giving it to AD or whoever, whether it's Holiday, giving it to them. In, yeah, in let's not forget about Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday had a great season, and I think he could be a real X factor for the Pelicans as well. For sure. And him and Rondo against that C.J. McCollum, Dame Lillard, Lillard backcourt. Yeah. That's going to be a super interesting matchup, right? Because on the surface you think, oh, well, obviously you got to give the upper hand to the Blazers' backcourt. But don't sleep on the season that Holiday had. You're totally right about that, Webby. And again, Rondo's ability to to slow down the game and dictate the pace of the game and slow it down and really grind out possessions and really feed the beast that is AD on that pick and roll. It's going to be a fun chess move to see that because you know Lillard Lillard's going to get his buckets and you know oh, yeah. Dame Lillard loves the moment of the playoffs as well. I can't wait for this series. Can't wait. Yeah, this one's going to be a good one. Um, and I think it's going to be one that like really this is going to be your six, seven game series in the West. Ooh, so who you got, Webby, in the six seven series? Like, who do, who do you got in a six or seven game series? Are you going oh, Blazers or Pellies? This one's tough, man. It really is. Putting you on the spot, Webby. Uh, Putting you on I, the spot again. Like like the Cavs will uh, get out of that seven game series against the Pacers because they're the home team, and getting that seventh game at home is so important. That crowd we've been talking about crowds. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd in Portland is like the crowd in Philly, man. They are going to be. They're going to be lit. They're going to be piped up. So I'm going with the Blazers in seven. I agree with you, Webby. I think this might be one of those series where it's like just a home team series where you see the home teams win win all the games. And I I just think going back to a game seven in front of that crowd, I can't see the Blazers losing in a seven-game series. I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be back and forth. It'll be a slugfest. We will be completely blinded by an Anthony Davis stat yeah. line at least once or I, twice I was, during this season. I was going to I was going to say I I'm pretty much guaranteeing that that Davis goes for for 50 in a game. Like a 50 and 20 or something. Just something completely Just some Wilt Chamberlain, game. some Wilt Chamberlain numbers. <laughs> right? It's going to be so much fun. Can't wait, but I'm I agree with you Webby. I'm also going Blazers in 7. That will be fun. As will our final matchup in our little playoff preview here. The four-seed Oklahoma City Thunder versus the five-seed Utah Jazz. Webby, what do you got in this series? Because I I think this is going to be a great series as well. A highly contested series. People to me seem to be down a lot on OKC, whereas I'm kind of like, just get them to the playoffs and once they're in the playoffs, in most series, they're going to have the two best players in that series. And so let's go. It's, it's go time now. But what do you think of this series? I think that the thing that I'm really looking for in this series, the, the big matchup, is uh, Gobert and Adams. That will be a lot of fun. Oh, those two big behemoths <laughs> going at each other, man. Two of the best defensive players in the NBA. Yeah. That- uh I, and I like I know that you had uh, PG and Donovan Mitchell written down here. That's going to be an awesome matchup. But just those two 
big Broncos going at it down in the paint is just going to be old school NBA basketball, and they are tough and mean, and that that's going to be that's going to be fun. So true. And like, you know, in this NBA, as they continue to run away from, you know, your classic traditional big men and centers, it'll be a lot of fun to, to watch this series just as much as we were talking about watching Embiid go against uh, Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. You're totally right. This will be a lot of fun too, just to watch two classic big guys go at it. That'll be so much fun to watch them bang bodies. And this, I think we'll see, you know, just how much Steven Adams is such a huge part of the success of Oklahoma City. Like, we always get caught so up underrated. in... Yeah, so underrated. Yeah. so underrated. Right? We get caught up in talking about Russ all the time and Paul George all the time and even Mello's up and down, mostly down season that he's had. But I think we'll get to see just how valuable Steven Adams is, especially going against another good big guy because I feel like this is a series where you'll see the bully, the bully mentality of Steven Adams, that he will just body Gobert. Gobert is super athletic, but if there's one guy that you think that can keep him off the glass, you know, and really like get in his way, definitely Steven Adams. Can't wait to see how this season, this series plays out. And the other thing here too, I'm here for all things Russell Westbrook, right? Oh yeah. And I don't know who they're going to throw at Russell Westbrook to try to slow him down and try to guard him. I just know it won't be Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It will not be Rubio. But I can't wait to see what Russ is going to do here because I feel like this will be a series. You know Utah is going to play slow, right? That's going to be their 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 pace of play. It's going to be super slow, and that means it's going to be, are you running plays? We're going to see a lot of the Russell Westbrook uh, pick and roll with Paul George, or not Paul George, with uh, Stephen Adams. That's going to be a lot that's going on. And I really think, this is going to sound weird, but the X factor is Mello. Because I think Mello, I, I still feel like stars pick up their game in the playoffs. And I know that Mello's yeah, performance, Mello follow, me, follow me for a second, I know that he he might not be a star still, but in the in his mentality, in the mental, he is a star. In his mind. And all you're asking him to do now is just sit in the corner and hit open threes, and I think that he will be in a position to succeed in this series because I don't think that you're going to be asking him to do much on the defensive end in this series, right? I feel like this series will be played at a pace that will benefit Melo. It'll be slower, and he'll be able to help out, right? And I think that that makes him the X factor, but also, like, sorry, let me, let me, let me let you slander Mello here for a bit, Webby. Because I think Mello I think Mello can can provide something for them in this series. I don't know, man. I wouldn't be counting on Mello, but if he can hit you a shot here or there, more power to him. But no, this this series is gonna come down to Russell Westbrook and how many games he wants his series to go. <laughs> right? Russ, what did you think of speaking of Russ, did you see the sound on the last day of the season? So Russell Westbrook yeah. needed sixteen rebounds to finish with a triple double, become the first player ever to record a triple double, average a triple double, sorry, in back to back seasons. So he needed sixteen triple sixteen rebounds and he did that easily. And, you know, there's a lot of talk because people are like, oh, it's going to be so funny to run and see him pad his stats to get the rebounds. As if that's a thing that we haven't seen happen all the time in the NBA. Like, Hello, Ricky Davis. 
No, but I mean, even like remember the triple double that for sure. when he went and missed his own shot <laughs> for sure, totally. But I was talking more like remember, you know, David Robinson needed what seventy two points, whatever it was, to That's win the right. scoring title. Like we've seen these things happen before, and I just find it so funny, you know. Okay, uh, when Clay Thompson gets taken out of the game. Right when he had seven, what was it, seventy points or whatever it was in like twenty something minutes or something yeah. ridiculous or thirty something minutes, right? And we take him out. We get upset because we're like, no, we want to see him chase history. What do we think Russ is doing, right? Like, yeah, I have I have no problem with that stat chasing, especially if you're in the playoffs, a uh, uh, top four seed. Like, absolutely. If Russ wants to do that, he's one of the best players in the league. If you don't want him to do that, stop him. Exactly. And it's also the last game of the season. They're like, they're playing the Memphis Grizzlies in a nothing game. The Grizzlies are starting, starting like a G League all-star team basically against them because they're tanking. Like, why not? Like, I'd be mad if Russ didn't go out there and try to get 20 rebounds in that game just because, right? And I really liked what he had to say about it in the in the media scrum that day because he was basically calling out all the people who were were chirping him right for saying that he chases stats and his answer was you know what i go hard and and you know people talk about padding stats but if it's so easy to get all these rebounds every game then why doesn't everybody else do it right exactly everybody else can go out and do it too so why not go do it if you guys are saying that it's that easy but he said I do everything for my team and I'm okay with that. And I go out and nobody does what I do every single night. And I wholeheartedly agree with Russ. I'm not going to be mad at a guy that plays at a thousand percent each and every night. And sometimes it's to the detriment of his team. Yeah. But you will never call out his effort. And I'd much rather have a guy like Russell Westbrook that, you know, is playing night in, night out and giving you a thousand percent than some other guys that might take nights off and, in this era in the NBA where we see guys resting for games or we see, you know, we see guys sign big contracts and then they regress and have a down year. Right. I'm all here for a superstar that wants to go all out night after night. Yeah, man. I don't think he should be uh, punished by the media for his tenacity. Exactly. Totally. And it's, it's fun to watch in the playoffs. Like he is one of the like best athletes in the world to watch do what he does. That's that's just my opinion. I don't know. Um, no, agree. The last thing I'll say about this series, though, Webby, you 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 touched on what my like key matchup was here, and it's Paul George against Donovan Mitchell. Now I'm talking more so on the defensive end because I'm assuming that will be the defensive assignment for Paul George. And should be, yeah, should be. You know, and Donovan Mitchell. He did become, you know, we were trolling him earlier, you know, talking about his his two hoodies he was rocking, uh, claiming that he should probably be the rookie of the year, which we both disagree with. But, you know, with doesn't that mean said, that he doesn't have game. He had a great season, right? He became just the 13th rookie to average 20 points per game just in NBA history. 13th rookie guard to average 20 points per game and third in the last 25 years. Like that is... That's legit, right? Like, that is a legit, legit dude. And I think this will be a key matchup for Paul George to, to sort of, you know, give us that reminder that, oh, no, I'm a star. I'm here. This is what I do. You're trying to get on my level, but you're not there yet. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm interested to see that matchup and see Paul George really, like, get into, okay, 
this is really why I got here to make a playoff run now. Like me and Russ, we step into series and we are the two best players in most series that we're going to play in, in the playoffs. And we're going to show you that now. I can't wait to watch this go down. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Going to be a good one indeed. Uh, we talked about Russ's stat padding. You know, we didn't really have a feed me segment. We talked about Russ's stat padding. We talked about Donovan Mitchell's hoodie. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up that in our would be feed me segment, Webby, was did you catch any of the Andre Ingram story? Pretty cool. Right? Like, so for those that don't know, Andre Ingram, he was a veteran of the G League. I keep calling it the D League still, right? I, I got to get yeah. used to, to, you know, get on the board G with the, 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 the sponsorship, right? Gatorade, right? <laughs> yes, it is. It is definitely, uh, it is definitely a Gatorade sponsorship of the D, the then D League, now G League. But uh, he was a ten-year veteran in the G League, and thirty-two years old. And he gets called in for people that don't know. I'll just give you a quick little background. He got called in for what teams have, which is called the exit meeting. Which you know, you kind of talk about how your season went. Uh, what's coming up next year, what you need to work on in the offseason, where they see your season, your career going, all that stuff. So he gets called in by his G League team, which is a minor league of the NBA, right? Gets called in for that meeting. But when he gets there, he notices there's a camera crew. He also notices that Magic Johnson is there. <laughs> and he's like, okay, something's kind of weird. And they end up telling him that he's getting called up to the Lakers for the final two games of the season. And that's pretty cool, right? Like, what did you make of this story, Webby? 32-year-old guy, 10 years in the G League, grinding it out, getting to live out his dream and play for the Lakers. What would you make of that story? I love it. I mean, this is one of the great things also that happens in Major League Baseball. Any any league that has a minor league system, you get some of these uh, human interest stories. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they turn out to be really awesome. Like, he had a great night where he scored a bunch of points on, like, great, efficient shooting. Now, Jump shot looked a little weird. Yeah, his, his jump shot look, did look a little weird, and you're 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 totally right in terms of the night that he had because it was perfect for Hollywood, right? Like yeah, he comes man. out and drops 19 points, and they're ch they're showering him with MVP chance at the Staples Center because my I mean, guy, that's a dream. Yeah, like that's a dream come true. That is like if this was a Disney movie, we'd be making fun of it because we'd be like, come Two on, on the man. nose. No, yeah. you, right? Like, we'd be like, come on, Disney. Like, this is not real. This is too fake, right? Like, it, it's a perfect Disney movie that we'd be calling out for being too Disney, except that it was real life. And I'll be honest with you. When I first saw this, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing here. They're trying to just promote the G League. Give us a good heartwarming story to end the oh, NBA regular season. Oh, you had the conspiracy season. theory. Yeah, like, I was like, ah, oh, whatever, right? And then the thing that turned me was... I saw him do an interview and he talked about his wife and how excited his wife was and she was just screaming on the other line and he was trying to calm her down and tell her, <laughs> no, you got to pack. Like you're coming to Staples Center to watch me play for the Lakers. And that's when it hit me and I was like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Even if they did just do this for the storyline aspect, like this is a great, great story and it's a great like thing to do. And it was cool to see the NBA community. Like he's going to check into the game and Chris Paul standing there like dapping him up. Like, yeah. you know, like that was cool to see. That was a really great story. Very it, cool. Yeah. Very it, cool. it won me over. And especially in a league where, you know, we spend 
a lot more time talking about things like, you know, Tristan Thompson and Chloe or like whatever other like dumb drama, which don't get me wrong. I'm here for we all that drama. We love it. But it was cool to mix in something like this too, right? And and the flip Definitely. side, the flip side of it, Webby, not bad either. $19,000 is what Andre Ingram got paid for the entire G League season. $13,000 is what he gets paid for three days with the Lakers. <laughs> that's that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Keep getting them checks, my dude. Keep getting them checks. I love it. I love it. Uh, so, Webby, that was our little wrap-up here, which leads us to our Ask on Blast segment, which has turned into Ask About Atlanta. Ooh. What? No, just another all-timer. Okay. I, I got to say, I was not ready. Was I was not happy with that episode, Webby. I was not ready for that. <laughs> I was yo, not. Yo, that tripped me part, out. That's the best part about the show is that you have to be ready for anything, man. So like they, 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 they took you from the episode before that was a barbershop one, which was like <laughs> one of the funniest half hours I can remember watching in a long time to like one of the heaviest episodes that I've seen in a long time. So if you listen to this podcast and you still haven't started watching Atlanta, what's wrong with you? Because we've been telling you to watch Atlanta each and every week on this podcast since Atlanta came back for season two. But the last episode was basically Donald Glover dressed up as Teddy Perkins. Was that the, the character's name? Yeah. Who was basically like from reading up on Michael it afterwards. Jackson? Yeah, it was like a, a playoff of like what an aging Michael Jackson would be, just kind of this old kind of age superstar and like a big man, big time mansion, but kind of doesn't seem Empty, like everything's all there. Creepy. And kind of super yeah. creepy, weird. Like again, I was not ready for that at all. And and to to tell you why this tripped me out, Webby, I don't know if a lot of people watch TV like I do, but once I'm done with my day, right, like I'm done with the work day or whatever, and I come home and I turn on my TV and I go through the PVR, like there's a bunch of stuff there, but there's different moods, right? Right, right. <laughs> like sometimes I want to laugh. Sometimes I need some jokes. Sometimes I need to just like detox, watch something dumb. So I'll watch TMZ. Sometimes, you know, I want to watch a scary movie or whatever it is. Right. But if I do, it's a very specific mood that I need to be in. And when I sat down to watch Atlanta, that was not the mood that I was ready for. And that shit tripped me out. I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on? And then how it ended, which in case, you know, someone just hasn't seen that episode yet, I'm not going to fully give that away. But I was just like, oh, my God. Like this show, what they are doing. I mean, it's, it's groundbreaking. The other great thing, too, about that episode was uh, like just with like two or three lines of dialogue, we found out a lot more about Darius. Ooh. Interesting. And yeah, a, yeah. Like, just almost with, like, a couple throwaway, throwaway lines when he was, like, caught up in, like, the climax of that situation. Mm -hmm. And it really, like, expanded his character and, and, and made it a little richer and a little deeper rather than Darius just being kind of, like, one of the funniest characters I've ever seen on television. Yeah, it's so true, right? And it's funny that they took the Darius character to play this role or to play like the I guess the main character in this episode so, because so like Darius funny too. The actor yeah, was in Get Out, right? I was going to say like I kept thinking that the whole time. It's like could Darius have been the main character in Get Out? I I don't see why not. I mean, I I don't yeah. see why not, right? And this was kind of like a 
a, an homage, I guess, to Get Out in a certain way, you know? And it was kind of like, sure. you know, a throwback to talking about celebrity and how people deal with celebrity and and how, you know, obviously this character of Teddy Perkins that, again, was, we think, kind of a mixture of maybe Michael Jackson, maybe a little Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, yeah. Right, like... It was super interesting, you know, and they talked about celebrity and celebrity parents and how like fathers and the roles that they play in terms of being super hard on these kids when they're young. But does it pay off when they they grow up and they're successful? And is it all worth it in the end? Like it was so smart and how they do things as well, Webby, just with like, you know, the episode is about how people deal with success and while this like crazy scene with Darius at the house is going on and he calls Paperboy and Irv, <laughs> going to the, they're going in the drive through and we're getting uh, an into how Paperboy is now dealing with his success, right? Because he's at the drive through and the guy in the drive through is, is trying to give him like extra fries. <laughs> that was my favorite line. He's like, don't eat them then. <laughs> The guy's giving Paperboy extra fries just because he's Paperboy. And he's like, hey, man, I threw in some extra fries. He's like, I don't want them. Take them out. Take them out. And the drive through guy just gets mad. He's like, well, just don't eat them then. It was so it was good. Like, it's so brilliant how they give you – they're giving you these messages in different ways, right? The, the show is so genius how it's done. And, you know, now you just never know what to expect from this show, and that's what makes it so good. It keeps viewers on their toes and looking forward to what will they possibly think up next right like we've seen exactly. an aging old like michael jackson we've seen uh michael vick racing dudes in a parking lot <laughs> of a strip club right like what like this show is just so so good i don't even know what's next but i also, do want to ask you go on, also go on. B- big shouts to uh donald glover for uh for being teddy perkins and apparently keeping in character the entire time that they shot the episode yeah, that was – I didn't realize right away. Like I was just so creeped out by the Teddy Perkins character that I didn't realize right away that it was Donald Glover. But shout out to him for doing a great job with that because that he did a really good job. Like that character was creepy as fuck. As fuck. And yeah, it didn't man. look like Donald Glover. Like it didn't come off as Donald Glover trying to be creepy. It was just like who is this creepy old guy? <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So good. So, so good, Webby. And you know what? I'm going to push back. Our, I'm going to continue to keep pushing back our billions conversations. All right, because I, I got to catch up. I got to catch up. I want you to catch up. And I want you to be invested in this season because it's uh, so great. And I know uh, that you're hate watching it. But keep catching up, Webby, so we can talk right, about right. it next week on the pod. I will. I promise. I promise. I'll have two. I think I, I, I'm behind by two. Or maybe I'm behind by two with this week coming up. Ah, okay, okay. I got you. I got you. Big things going on on Billions. Axe is just such a gangster. That's all I'll say. Uh, Axe and Wendy like, are a gangster. They're both it's like such a grown-up entourage. It's so bad. Oh, oh, come on. That hurt my feelings, Webby. That really hurts <laughs> my feelings. But you know what didn't hurt my feelings? The fact that the playoffs are here. That oh, had boy. me fired up. We will be back next week to discuss what's going on on the playoffs. We might actually have some other little interesting side projects coming up as well. I don't really know if I'm going to be able to do it or not, so I don't want to tease it in case some things fall through. But just be on the lookout for some things that might pop up on your feed throughout the playoffs from the Ball on Blast podcast. But you know what? Webby, while the playoffs are going on, let the people know where they can hit you up to find your hot takes while you're enjoying these playoffs. 
while you're watching the playoffs, just you know, log on to Twitter because that's the best way to consume these games while you're watching them. And give your boy a follow at a Webster eighty four on Twitter and Instagram. And you can do the same and follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And as always, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network, available on iTunes. SoundCloud and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Boom,